Hi, and thank you very much for joining Upstart episode with Vincent, partner of Pin.hk, a boutique design firm based out of Hong Kong that's creating some very exciting product. I really advise you to check out their website once you have some time. Today, we're going to talk about manufacturing, supply chain, and selling in mainland China. And you're going to discover some awesome hands-on advices on how to do this properly um, as a small size firm so please sit down and relax yes we've started okay vincent can you please introduce yourself yeah sure so i'm vincent i'm one of the uh, partner at uh, pin we are a studio product development based in hong kong uh, we are mainly developing product for our own brand, namely uh, Uzi's. It's a toy brand on uh, Infinity Travel. We do uh, travel accessories. And on a personal level, I've been in, uh, in Hong Kong for, the, for almost eight years now. And uh, I've been enjoying it so far. And that's, uh, that's about it. So many, many in the product business, uh, manufacturing and selling online. So, um, Can you tell us about your uh, bestseller? Uh, yeah, so right now most of our emphasis is uh, is on our travel accessories, and uh, we we got quite a, a big traction on, on that part of the business. Uh, okay, thank you for sharing. So we're going to talk about three big parts. Um, the first one is going to be around manufacturing. Then we'll move on logistic, and finally yeah. with payment solutions. And it's all going to have a strong mainland China focus. Um, yeah. But if there are some things that uh, stand up in your mind for the rest of the world, feel free to pick some stuff. So um, there is a first question actually that we hear a lot from entrepreneurs is where do you find a good manufacturer to prototype? Um, that's, I mean, that's a tricky one, right? Uh, but it, it always boils down to, uh, to what the product needs are. And uh, we, on our own, usually uh, really look into the product. And um, it, it's, it's really usually based on if we think that this product requires some uh, very specific uh, skills, uh, then we will, we will start uh, to look for a manufacturer very early on. And we usually worked with recommendation it's quite uh, a closed world a little bit because I mean there's so much offers that he always kind of start with recommendation we knew someone from somewhere and we can lead us uh, to a manufacturer so it's 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 really a tricky one and usually always boil down to what the product is and what are the needs and, and, and then we'll go from there but if the product is, is simple then we can look for it uh, in a more wide broad sense uh, more like classical sourcing sense of thing when you like concretely what what does it mean do you go to shenzhen dongguan and well, knock on doors usually we start our, our process more in like fairs uh we'll see the manufacturers that can show up at fairs and we'll get contact and we usually actually build on kind of list of manufacturer and um, when we have a project coming up and we are looking for a, sp a specific one we'll just contact them first uh, see which one will be more suitable after our first contact and, and then we usually uh, have a few uh, 
a session where we'll like see a few of them like uh, by, uh, with, with a short trip. Uh, we usually work mostly with uh, with Guangdong area, so it's uh, it's always for us easy to kind of set up a day where we we go say a few we go see a few of them. And um, what would you say are the key considerations that you have in mind? Well, that would be, that would be back uh, to what I was saying earlier on was. Uh, it really depends on the product. Uh, some some of our product development require like a very specific production skills. Uh, so what we will also look for it's we try to get uh, manufacturer where we have a sense where they feel like they are going to learn something. Um, we also kind of it's kind of a win-win situation since we are more in a premium. Uh, product business. Uh, we have requirements in terms of quality that, uh, that are maybe a little bit stronger than other companies and we feel that uh, some factories are usually willing, especially in, in Guangdong area, willing to kind of improve some of their process because it's not sustainable anymore to do uh, very cheap in, in, uh, in Guangdong. Uh, so we usually look for, for partners that wait it's really a collaboration and it's a win-win for, for both parties at the end because we know that at the end we will also get uh, a better relationship with them and, and hopefully uh, uh, yeah, at the end when you, when you need something urgently, it's always help <laughs> to have this kind of uh, tight relation with your suppliers. And if you had to boil down, so you mentioned that on the manufacturer side, they get to improve their processes working with high quality products. What are the other things that you sell to the manufacturers for working with you? Well, I mean, at the end, it always what, what those manufacturers will look for. And, uh, and so, so some, it's, it's a case per case thing, but I mean, like, uh, it could be more on the design side of, uh, side of thing. And we can sometimes also like give them a, uh, some some more information on how they could develop uh, other uh, when, when they have other projects uh, how they could improve in their processes. Uh, so it really depend after. So we sometimes we have a deeper um, relationship with some of our manufacturers uh, that will actually extend way beyond uh, uh, simple product development. Uh, but that's really, really case by case and on, on, on more rare. But sometimes it could be like a more marketing side of thing because this manufacturer will want to to start to do their online of product. Uh, so it really depends. But since we are more consumer facing parts, sometimes it's also interesting for them that are like maybe we could sell on on Taobao and develop our own product. So uh, they are always kind of keen to learn how to kind of the other side of the process. And let's say that you are... It's, it's kind of a tricky one though, but yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, now let's say that you are um, starting production on a new product. What are the, the different important checkpoints that you have with the factory? You mean what are the, the steps with the factory? Yes. Um, I mean, uh, uh, at the end, it's uh, 
uh, again, depends on the project, but if it's a, it's a slightly more com uh, complex product, uh, we will have uh, some sort of validation of, of the structural uh, element of the product. Um, we'll then have more of a validation of the costing of the product, and then we will have a pre-production and then like have a more of a release of the item after that. So it's, it's really on the, on the structural and more on the design part of the product. Uh, we then run down again with the costing and, and, and then it's more of a finishing up a small detail part. And um, very often we hear that manufacturers are more and more willing to run small batches because of the competition going up. Do you see this yourself? Uh, not really, actually. I, I think, I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, I personally do not think that it's uh, really the case in China because, I mean, ultimately, I mean, the goal for any manufacturer, it's, uh, it's big orders. I mean, uh, they may be willing to start with, uh, with a lower uh, quantity at the beginning, again, depending on the product, uh, if you don't have any toolings or anything. We, we worked with both uh, hard product and soft product. So usually with soft products, the uh, order quantity can be a lot lower because it doesn't require any sort of tooling. Uh, but I mean, even outside of this, uh, doesn't really give you anything because the factory will always put you at the end of their schedule, at the end of everything, uh, if they accept a smaller order quantity. So I mean, they might accept it, but there is no, um, strong interest in it. And um, so it sounds like you need to go big batch by big batch. How do you um, deal with production and um, forecasting orders? So I would say that this one is a tough one. I mean, like, because uh, in, in all fairness, I would think that big corporation will have, uh, would have tools that allow them to forecast to forecast orders uh, in advance. And I would argue that even big corporations have troubles with that. Uh, uh, I mean, you always, you can always scrap as much as data as you know. You sometimes have like some, some kind of uh, information, you know where it's like going to go up or going to go down. Uh, but bottom line, it's you always <laughs> you always are going to have hiccups where you either do not have stock or you have way too much stock. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 always uh, uh, something that uh, someone in the product business will will experience at some point. And um, typically, for some of the products that you're working on, and that might be a, a broad question, but what are the typical minimum? order quantities? Uh, uh, if I say vaguely for, for our product uh, that require toolings, uh, uh, usually, uh, and, and again, I mean, those numbers will be more relevant in Guangdong areas where usually uh, people want to work with a bigger order uh, volume. Uh, I would say that for products that require tooling, 
under 4,000 pieces, that's going to be tough. Uh, for soft products, uh, it usually really, really depends on the fabrics that the person is choosing because some fabrics are very, very high uh, MOQ. Uh, but you can go as little as, I, I would say, as little as 300 pieces to 1,000 pieces. But uh, again, that really, really varies depending on the fabric and some materials because there is minimum order all the way. So, I mean, if, if one of your uh, items in the supply chain in, uh, have a very uh, high order, minimum order quantities, and you, uh, you either stock it for, for future use or you have to increase the entire production batch. Um, manufacturing is not something that you learned before. How did you, where did you find information to help you become educated? with all these tips and tricks and industry knowledge? Um, I would say it's like mostly experience. Uh, uh, it's, I, 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 I still think that manufacturing is something that, uh, of course you can, you can actually uh, teach quite, quite a lot with it, but uh, I think it's something quite, uh, easy to catch up uh, with the experience on, 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 I mean, every single production batch, you will, uh, you will experience uh, new things that you will kind of like put down and improve for the next one. And years after years, you kind of build on the stuff after you also have to make sure that you are not like starting to create a, a massive processes everywhere. So people like don't move anymore because it's like so complex. that there's like a process for everything, but uh, it's always a balance of, of what I learned from the previous batch that I could uh, implement for the next one. That, that go as well for how to forecast orders. Thank you for sharing. Let's move on the, the logistic component of the conversation. Um, so you manufacture in China and let's yes. say that you sold a product in China. Can you briefly describe how the product would move around the country and if it would go out or anything like this? Uh, for now, on that, I mean, we do sell to China, but we, uh, we, we, we still don't have China as our like, primary focus. So for us, it doesn't make so much sense because if you want to keep your product in China, you have to, uh, to, to pay for the sales tax. So actually, before your product are even produced, they usually are said to be uh, exported or staying in China. And on four case, most of our items have to leave China at some point, so they always have a, a stop in Hong Kong. And um, when we we fulfill orders uh, to China, then we'll ship them directly from Hong Kong. Uh, so that that's the the process right now. After, if one want to uh, to fulfill orders in China, then you have to have all the sales tax system in China. Um, uh, some factories sometimes uh, offer this this type of help, uh, but again, that's kind of a tricky one, and that's how much control do you want to give over a producer on 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 the item and so on and so forth. Got it. So let's say that you have your warehouse in Hong Kong and somebody's purchasing your product in China that would be sent from Hong Kong back to mainland China. And that's when the taxes would be paid, for example. Yes. Yes. After I, from, from what I know, uh, 
Taobao, both Taobao and JD have like those global system on it's actually their branded warehouse where uh, uh, that, that do the uh, taxation process. So it's kind of incorporated into the sales. Um, it's kind of shipped back to their warehouse and then shipped back to the final customer within China. Um, and that's what, what a lot of uh, foreign brands that use this uh, T-Mall and Taobao global solution will do. Would you if compare... You, if you don't have anyone that can... Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, how would you compare that system with the Amazon warehouses systems? Is it simpler, more complex? It's a lot more complex. I mean, if you want to deal with uh, selling in China, uh, I mean, in that regard, I mean, Amazon is very, very well open in uh, to, uh, for for Chinese base. Uh, and they don't even care about Hong Kong. I mean, like if you're registered in Hong Kong on Amazon, they will speak to you in Mandarin. They're like, whatever. I mean, like we don't even speak to you in English uh, or companies for that matter. But uh, on, on no, uh, Amazon can take care of most of the logistics. They have a license to do ocean freight. So, so they can even pick up from the factory in China and deal with the entire uh, logistic uh, up to the final customer. Uh, on the other hand, if someone wants from uh, from foreign companies that's not based in in China and even for Hong Kong, it's, it's difficult. Uh, there's not really an equivalent. I mean, still uh, very much uh, the sellers that have to fulfill the orders. They have this kind of Timor global offer, but it's kind of uh, it's, it's it's still not very widely used on on. on I mean, it's kind of more or less an invitation-only system. And and we had conversations uh, a few years ago around the fact that, that Amazon has a tendency of really giving liberties to customers to send product backs back and 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 give a lot of the power to the customers. Do you feel like the the Chinese platforms have that same mindset, or it's going to be easier on the uh, brand side of things? Well, the, the Chinese platform, it's, uh, I mean, f from what I know, but uh, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think the return legally in China, the return is only seven days. Um, most uh, most of will enforce the seven day and the seven to 15 days. Uh, I, I, I think it's also based on customer habit and I, I don't want to say something wrong, but uh, I, will, I will say that the customer habit in the U.S., uh, is much uh, more strongly used to, to purchase and return. And, and you see with, with customers that will purchase, uh, you have an item with different uh, style or color and they will simply like purchase every single one of them and just keep the ones they would like. Uh, that do not happen in other marketplace where uh, Europe, Australia or, or, or from, from what we see in China, it's still a, a, a lot more considered. Let me read uh, one of Keith's questions. So for those not in the hardware development, um, who would be the good stakeholders uh, that get involved along the way from an idea of a product? towards getting into the customer's hands. Can you walk us through, typically for your latest product, who were the different kind of parties or stakeholders involved? 
by 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 skateholder, what what would you so mean for, exactly? For example, you mentioned once that some of your products were um, getting uh, conceived with the help of designing firm, right? So that that might be one yeah. of the external stakeholder that you have. Are there any such providers of services along the way? Uh, I mean, yeah. If I if I need to, uh, uh, again, it will it, it will depend. But uh, I wonder if the question was uh, when it's not an hardware sense or. So if you're not from the industry, so if you don't know how to do it, who would be the typical players coming in the game? It really depends of, of, of if the brand have already a distribution channel and so on and so forth. And, and sometimes for some of our products, we still need to, uh, to, to apply for some certification. So you still have to have uh, some certification agency uh, that validates the product. Uh, you still need some exports license and import license for some, for, for some things. Uh, and then a big part uh, will be closer to the release of the product will be still the, uh, the marketing and PR side of things because uh, even if you plan of on, on selling on, on, on Amazon, if you don't have a solid uh, strategy in terms of release, marketing and PR, uh, it will still take quite a while in order to, uh, to have something that pick it up. You've, you've tried uh, Kickstarter a couple of times. Would you use it for some of your next product or you think it's uh, an overrated platform? No, I think, I, I, I think Kickstarter still allowed uh, some interesting project to happen. And I think it still boils down as uh, um, validating somewhat the product. So if, if someone doesn't want to invest too much in tooling, for instance, uh, I still think it's, uh, it's something that uh, allow uh, a product developer to, to make sure that he's going in the right direction. Uh, on the other hand, I think um, some people have taken advantage of the platform. And I think that now it's kind of a stage where you, you have to measure what are the advantages of the platform and what also the platform would uh, will diminish as well. You, we we had the case on some of the projects where like some some website would say, oh, we don't speak about the project on Kickstarter anymore because uh, we know that there's some projects that never get released at some point. So it can hurt the PR and release side of things. Uh, um, back to the logistical part of the conversation. If we look at your distribution channels, um, do you? So you mentioned Amazon and, and online platforms. How do you uh, get your product into your customers' hands? Beside Amazon, uh, it's uh, mostly with uh, with a fulfillment center. So we uh, we work with uh, with a fulfillment in a. In Hong Kong as well as in the US, um, we are probably going to have one in Europe as well. Uh, it's 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 very easy now, and there's quite a lot of providers that allow you to uh, to take care of the fulfillment. There's some downside of it, but yeah. And and how do you how do you sell? So these these fulfillment uh, centers, where would they? How do they get the order? Is it through 
uh, distributors, um, unique. Well, it's, it's, it, it's mostly uh, we 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 have two type of fulfillment. We have actually fulfillments that are more B two C related thing, and those one are actually. Uh, connected directly to our selling platform with APIs and it's kind of mostly going through it. And we have uh, warehouses that are specialized in, in, in more uh, bigger volume. In we usually use those just for pallet in and out. Um, those are more retailers, wholesalers, and so on and so forth, where we, we cannot actually break down our case pack. It's, it, it stays as is and, and they just ship by buy boxes and pallets and how much of your um have how much of your time um do you spend on reviewing that system that you put in place you mean reviewing the efficiency of it or yes oh uh, it i i would say that we just make sure like uh, every quarter or every semester that uh, it's still replied to our needs. Uh, we also, depending on, 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 on customer feedback, uh, so as a kind of a quick uh, in, insight, uh, recently Germany changed their, their uh, custom policy, so now they tend to, uh, to actually charge custom on every single product that come into, uh, into Germany and uh, it go around also the fact that uh, when you are selling, because a seller on Amazon kind of uh, benefited for a very, very long time of kind of a tax uh, situation where it was kind of opaque and Amazon would say that there was tax and seller would actually not charge tax and so on and so forth. So a lot of countries recently changed their policies and say the platform have to collect tax on, on behalf of the seller. So in that way, it's a lot neater. And, uh, and in that case, we recently discovered that Germany changed uh, Quite a lot their system on simply shipping to Hong Kong. Even even though we are registered as a, for for VAT in Germany, uh, you can't really like input and ship from Hong Kong with duty paid uh, with with a, with a standard shipping method. You have to ship with a courier, which is way too expensive for for some products. Uh, so in that case, that really impose uh, to look for a different uh, fulfillment method and fulfill directly within the country. Uh, this type of services got it so have you considered stop selling in germany altogether or uh, not really because uh in that case uh it, it really changed to i mean it's, it's what our website is saying and on currently our website mentioned clearly is that for german order our product are shipped directly from hong kong and so a person in Germany have to be aware that on it says on the checkout. Uh, so we don't consider stopping in Germany. We'll consider actually uh, finding a solution that's also more interesting for the customer and will be faster ultimately, which is to ship directly uh, within Europe to Europe. So the downside of it is uh, in terms of shipping cost, uh, Hong Kong, China, and Singapore realize that they have like a huge potential on the shipping cost from Hong Kong to Europe is usually cheaper than within Europe or from one country to the same country. So within Germany, the shipping cost is more expensive and usually take more or less the same amount of time than shipping from Hong Kong to Germany, which is crazy. Oh, wow, yeah, that's surprising. 
<laughs> um, how about to move on the, the third part of the conversation, which is around payment. And I'd like to, so, so you've mentioned that you don't have a, a major focus on what's going on with mainland Chinese customers, but I'd like to understand um, if and how you're charging mainland Chinese customers and which platform you're using. So it's, it's a broad con question on, on what, what are you doing with payment in mainland China? Yeah, and I, I can definitely share some of the experience we had with setting those up. I'm still looking for for other solutions. So right now for a customer in, uh, in mainland China, we chat with Alipay. Uh, but the downside of it is we can only charge with Alipay in HKD. Uh, so mainland Chinese customers still have to pay in HKD, but most of them still find this more convenient than paying with a credit card in USD. Uh, why is that? It's because it's, uh, Stripe take care of that uh, for us, so that simplifies a lot the process. Uh, as uh, a customer in, uh, in Hong Kong, we also have access to WeChat Pay through Stripe, but unfortunately, the way that Stripe take care of this is kind of... Uh, primitive as a friend now so we didn't really integrate it um for both of them the very very fun fact is you cannot charge in and uh, if you are not in china so charging in and uh outside of china if you don't have a company set up in china it's it's a tricky one but so it means that your mainland chinese customers need to do that extra effort they need to go on your website they need to be willing to pay in Hong Kong dollars from 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 what we see with with alipay it's still uh, relatively easy because they can they, they have the conversion like briefing their app on, on everything but yes it's 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 far from ideal but i would say that it's the same than Timor, Taobao on everything if you want to be inside you have to be you have to set up a business inside china and that will simplify everything and have you looked into the possibility to set up in china and if if that's the case what would be your typical channels of distribution have you done that that research work yeah actually it's something that we are looking for it and we are actively looking for it uh, i mean because in china is so different i mean i am i mean people are like kind of amazed with amazon and everything but i mean when you look at at Timor and taobao people don't shop on a lot of other websites and let's say the Xiaomi store, the JD store, the Sunning store on, on Tmall Taobao. And I mean, I think you take 10 websites and they probably cover 90% to 95% of the entire e-commerce uh, in China. Uh, so if you are not on those platform, it's 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 kind of a no-go, or, or you have to to have the ambition of starting a kind of a new platform by yourself, but that's kind of out of uh, of of reach. And um, um, so it it really boils down in how do you get to those platform? On those platform, we create a lot of manpower because you need to be in contact permanently with customers. Uh, so the tricky one would be to find uh, people that are 
are willing to kind of, of, of do this kind of, of, of services. And, and from what we see, there's companies that uh, you can outsource this. Uh, but again, it's a, it's it's a tricky one because we we don't outsource our customer service, and we have to make sure that kind of match uh, with with our expectation. I, I'm, I'm I don't know if you had the experience, but uh, sometimes when you see like response of some customer service of some seller on Timor Taobao, it's kind of rude and not necessarily very good, uh, and we want to make sure that it kind of meets a, a standard that also like. Uh, yeah. Would you anticipate any other adjustments to do if you were to sell on the mainland China platforms? You mean in terms of product? For example, yeah. Um, yeah, so actually, the also interesting uh, thing is there is more and more Chinese that are actually looking for brands that they could develop in China. Um, it's very interesting to actually follow what uh, those brands, those people, those kind of uh, retailer will ask for because they always leverage so much the Chinese population saying that, oh, like your product is so great, but we are so huge. So you have to kind of provide the product at like a very, very cheap price point. Um, it's a very tricky one because you see a lot of brand uh, I had the experience I was looking last time in, in, in brands that sell on, on Western market at some price and they will sell uh, the same product in China for substantially cheaper uh, because there is this appeal of the market is so huge uh, that you just have to kind of have a lower price point. Uh, but for us, it's kind of a tricky one because we don't feel comfortable as having a different price for every different marketplace. Uh, so we, we will reserve, uh, make sure that uh, our uh, brand is consistent worldwide. Uh, we provide the same products and services on, on pricing worldwide. Uh, even if it means that we don't take the, in a way, the full advantage of the platform. Great. And so, um, what would you say, you know, in your mind, the top two or top three good and bad of selling on, on Taobao GD versus setting your own shop on WeChat, for example? Is it really access to your customers or is there something else that you have in mind? I, I, I would think that it's the same as Amazon. It's the reach of those platforms and it's the fact that Customer know when they search something. We see it. We see it on Amazon in in the US. No people just like go to Amazon to search for something. They don't go to Google to search for something. And I mean, even if you don't like the platform, even if you like, it's you you will realize that uh, some people will search for it and some people will ask for it. And at the end, some people will retail on it, uh, even though if you don't want it. And so it's either you are on it and you are working with that and you are kind of taking advantage of it or you kind of uh, stay on the side and, and kind of uh, cultivate this I'm independent, independent and I don't want to sell on this platform. But it's a very tricky one because I mean the bottom line is like everyone wants to kind of increase their market share. So how do you how do you actually balance that profitability versus market share? We've talked a lot about this, and I'd like to hear your latest thoughts on the question. Well, I mean, at the end, it's always uh, it's always the same. I mean, uh, do 
you always have to balance this and, and I, I mean at the end it's the same than like uh, the, the can can a factory produce with a lower MOQ uh, yes they could but I mean you won't get the full advantage of it I mean if you increase your market share you can also leverage new opportunities uh, for new products uh, and ultimately also increase the quality of your product because uh, I mean if if you keep I mean, there's a difference between a craftsman that will do something on his side and on on an industrially made product. I mean, there's always you can have good on on the fact that uh, you increase the quantity and you actually uh, increase your knowledge about it and, and so on and so forth. So you can actually include in the processes uh, some. So some new steps that will guarantee uh, a little bit the quality of the product. So, thank you for sharing. Um, we got two awesome questions from Keith. The first one is: um, Would you say Chinese customers feel that it's important to have a China-made mention? Um, does it matter? You believe? Uh, I. I... In your industry, right? For your category of products, do you think it makes a difference? I actually think that it doesn't make a difference. I mean, it might make a difference, but uh, one would argue that, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's in both directions as well. I mean, in some cases, saying that it's not made in China, but made somewhere else increase the sellability of the product in, in, in the Chinese market um, on, on some, for some item, uh, saying that it's made in China. And actually, I mean, for our toys, they are all made and designed in China. Uh, but I don't think that this have uh, an impact yet because we are, our products are still quite niche and uh, they cater to an audience that's kind of beyond this simple like, oh, where it's made and it's made here. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's very specific for the, for the case of the toys. Uh, yeah, appeal to an audience that's uh, quite small in China and, and kind of go beyond where it's made, who designed it. And um, you, you, you have a brand, a product, an attention to design that is very specific and I recommend everybody to go and check out your website. Do you think it resonates with, um, I guess, first-tier cities' markets in mainland China? Do you anticipate yeah, I, that this kind of foreigner design touch is going to have an impact to win Chinese hearts? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, def it's, it's definitely a product that caters to an audience in China that's, uh, that's definitely more first-tier city uh, second generation uh, Chinese that's kind of like, and, and you see it in China too. I mean, there's some people that start to slowly say, oh, yeah. I mean, so many products, uh, we don't necessarily need to like fill our places with, with junk all around the place. Uh, especially in those cities that uh, space, <laughs> there's, there's kind of this constraint of space as well. So there's always this, uh, this need for, for, for better quality product. 
Have you, have you considered uh, manufacturing elsewhere than China and possibly in Europe and in the US to save on, uh, on transportation costs and, and gain some rapidity? No, not, not really because, I mean, we, we, we actually took quite a lot of uh, pride on, on we think it's quite of a strong advantage to be so close to our production point and we actually, we don't produce in China because we think that it's the cheapest option. It's we produce in China because we are here and we want to be product. And I mean, at the end, there's everything around. There's the supply chain. I mean, when you have every single supplier of your suppliers that's also around and logistic and everything, it's, it's the entire system uh, that China provides that's interesting for that. Um, and for us, it doesn't make sense to, to go out of that, except if it's for very, very specific uh, items that uh, cannot be made in, in, in China for some reason, or for, I mean, we have for some upcoming products, some parts that are, that are made outside because uh, they are very specific and, and so on and so forth. But in, in most cases, we don't see it changing.